0: Good morning River Oaks, it is certainly my honor and esteemed privilege to be here with you uh, on this morning, Uh, but not just this morning. If I could have a moment of personal privilege, I want to thank God publicly uh, for this great church and what you have meant to me and to my family. Uh, Certainly it's been a great place for Zion to share his gift and develop uh, his ministry, but also uh, this church has been a great place of healing for me and for my wife and for our marriage and our family during a very difficult season of our lives. And we're grateful for the church and the love uh, of this community and are grateful for each of you. I certainly want to thank God publicly for my friend and brother, Pastor David Beatty. Even in his absence, we celebrate God for him. And um, my wife is not here with me this morning because she is preaching at another church this morning And my daughter is singing with her this morning, so we're kind of doing double duty all over the place. So I pray for her and for them as well. All right, let's jump right into the word for this morning. Uh, Paul's letter to the church at Philippi. Philippians chapter number 4, verses 4 through 7, reads like this from the English Standard Version. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I will say... Rejoice, let your reasonableness be known to everyone, the Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. My brothers and sisters, on this last Sunday, this last day of the year 2023, I want to put a tag on this text and speak for the next few moments from the subject, the antidote for anxiety. The antidote for anxiety. In 1943, famed psychologist Abraham Maslow introduced a theory of human motivation based upon a hierarchy of human needs. Uh, This theory has become known as Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Dr. Maslow suggested that there are five basic categories of human need and he listed them in ascending order from bottom to top. These five categories of human need are, uh, first of all, uh, physiological needs. These are our needs for food and water and rest, the needs that our body has to survive. Secondly, he says that we have as human beings the need for safety. Uh, This is the need for security and to feel like uh, we are secure. Thirdly, Dr. Maslow proffers that that all human beings have love and belonging needs. These are the needs for friendship, for community, the needs to be in intimate relationships with others. The fourth basic need area is esteem needs. The need that we need to feel secure in ourselves and have confidence in ourselves. And and the fifth and final need, according to Dr. Abraham Maslow, is the need for self-actualization. This is our need to achieve our potential and to feel successful. Now, with all due respect to Dr. Maslow and any other psychologists that are in the room, uh, I'd like to add at least one more need to that list. We can flip it and call it Hanschel's hierarchy of needs. Uh, I believe that all of us, that one of our major needs as human beings is the need to know. We all seemingly have this insatiable need to know every little minute detail of our lives. We need to know what's going on what's happening, or more importantly, what's going to happen. We want to know, what is 2024 going to bring to us? What's going to happen in my family? Are my children going to be okay? Am I going to have enough money to make it through my retirement? We have this need to know. The problem is that it is impossible for us to know everything. And the gap between what we know and what we think we ought to know is called uncertainty. And anxiety thrives in uncertainty. And if we're not careful, sisters and brothers, our gnawing need to know can eventually lead to sin. In fact, that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. If if you remember the story, uh, the Bible tells us that Eve was tempted by the serpent to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He told if you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And, and, and if the truth of the matter is, that is a temptation that many of us still have to this day. It's not that I want to be God. I just want to know what God knows. I just want to know how this thing is going to turn out. I just want to know what's going to happen next. It was their need to know that caused Adam and Eve to eat from the tree. And since the beginning of time, Satan has been playing or praying on our need to know. Now, uh, without uh, being sacrilegious this morning, I, I want to say that, 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 that sometimes it also feels like God does the same thing. That he, he seems to test me by seeing if I will Uh, follow his instructions with the least amount of information (laughs) anybody ever walked with God that that sometimes God will give you the least amount of information available and test us to see whether or not we will still obey or follow him. He, he tells us in Jeremiah 29 and 11, he says, for I know the plans I have for you, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a future and a hope. He tells us that he has plans for us, but he doesn't tell us what the plans are. He doesn't give us the details of that plan. He doesn't tell us how the plan is going to work out or when the plan is going to come to fruition. He, he calls Abram. He tells Abram in Genesis 13, he says, I want you to leave your father's house. I want you to leave your country. I want you to leave everything that you know behind. Go to a place I will show you, and there I'm going to bless you. My question is, where is there? That God will tell you to leave, but he won't tell you where you're going. And it's in those moments, it's in that that uncertainty, that oftentimes we struggle with anxiety. Following God is is a test. It's it's a lot like, well, it's a lot like driving with my dad. Uh, uh, Andrew told you earlier, I'm from the Bahamas, I was, I was home a few uh, months ago visiting my father and, and uh, he said, Giotto, he calls me Giotto, you know, parents, they don't call you doctor this or nothing, Giotto, come on, jump in the car, I'm going to take, I need you to drive me somewhere. I said, all right, pop, I'll take you wherever you want to go. Where are we going? Just get in the car and drive, I'll let you know. So I'm driving and all right, where are we going? Just keep driving, I'll let you know. We come to a corner. He said, make a left right here. Now I'm already almost past the corner. I'm (laughs) trying to get to where he's going. All right, take a right here. And I I mean, no kind of uh, advance warning, nothing. uh, And I'm driving in and I'm getting... I'm feeling myself, you know, that pit in your stomach, I'm feeling anxious, I'm feeling nervous because I'm driving and I don't know where to go and he's giving me instructions at the last moment, turn left here, turn right here, I'm nearly causing accidents all around because he won't give me advance notice. And, And I started to feel anxious and all of a sudden, I heard this voice. And I believe it to be the voice of the Lord and here's what the Lord told me, he said, you don't know where you're going But your father knows where you're going. And as long as your father knows where you're going, you're going to make it to your destination. Now, I don't know who that's for this morning, but the Lord told me to tell you the same thing he told me. You may not know where you're going, but your father knows where you're going. And as long as you're following the directions of your father, you will make it. your destination. But in the meantime, what do we do with this anxiety in the midst of the uncertainty? Well I believe we need an antidote for our anxiety. What is an antidote? An antidote is a medicine taken or given to counteract a particular poison. And Make no mistake, anxiety is poisonous to our souls. It is a toxin that divides our mind. In fact, the Greek word that is translated as anxiety in our text, it literally means to tear or to separate the mind. Anxiety, in fact, is our mind going in different directions. It causes us to be what James, the Apostle James says in James 1 and 8, it causes us to become double-minded and unstable in all of our ways. So how do we combat this anxiety? What is the antidote for our anxiety? I believe that the antidote is found in God's word. In particular, in our scripture for this morning in Philippians chapter 4, Paul gives us four components that combine to create the antidote for our anxiety. The first component of this antidote is found in verse number four, and it is the priority of praise. Let the church say the priority of praise. All right, y'all gotta talk back to me now. I grew up as a Pentecostal preacher, so y'all gonna have to help me feel home today, all right? The priority of praise. Look at what he says in verse four. He says, rejoice in the Lord, Always. And again, I will say, rejoice. Paul begins by giving us a reminder to rejoice. He, he reminds us that, that in spite of what's going on around us or inside of us, we must rejoice when always. And then just in case we forget to rejoice, he says it again. Again, I will say, rejoice. That sisters and brothers, as we close this year, 2023, and prepare to cross into a new year, uh, the, the, the warning and the challenge from the Apostle Paul straight to us this morning is that we must remember to rejoice. We must begin with the priority of praise. We need a daily rejoice reminder to say that in spite of what's going on in my life, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praises shall Shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. That's why the psalmist says oh magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together for the God we serve is worthy to be praised. As we shift into a new year we must take with us an attitude of gratitude that says God you are worthy of my praise. Can I let you know that God is not afraid of our praise. God is not timid. He is not shy. The psalmist tells us that we ought to praise him on the loud sounding symbols that everything that has breath ought to praise the Lord. Every day you ought to list one, two, three things that you are thankful for and give God the glory. He says that I've got to give him the priority of my praise. Rejoice in the Lord always. They tell me there are two times you ought to praise God. When you feel like it and when you don't. Rejoice always, and again I say, rejoice. Not only does the Apostle Paul teach us that if we're going to combat this anxiety, do we need the priority of praise, but secondly, he tells us about the preeminence of prayer. All right, let the church say, the preeminence of prayer. All right, we're getting there, let's try that. Uh, We get that by number four. The preeminence of prayer, he says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. He says that that, that if you're feeling anxious, the response is in everything by prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. The moment we begin to feel anxiety creeping into our hearts, our minds, our stomachs, that is the moment we are to begin to pray. Because prayer, there is an inverse relationship between prayer and anxiety. Meaning the more we pray, the less anxious we feel. And conversely, the less we pray, the more anxious we feel. Because prayer and anxiety cannot occupy the same space for very long. And so one of the things as we're combating anxiety in our lives that we need to add to our daily lives is the daily discipline of prayer. And prayer is simply a conversation with God. It is simply communing with him. It's simply telling him about our situations and having an intimate relationship with him because the closer I get to God, the further away I get from uncertainty. The closer I get to his will and prayer is seeking his will, the further away I get from a place of uncertainty and anxiety. Paul tells us that, that prayer is, should be preeminent in our lives. He says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, Paul not only tells us that we are to pray in everything, but he also tells us how we ought to pray to combat anxiety. He says our prayer should be supplication with thanksgiving. What does that mean? Supplication is the action of asking or begging for something earnestly or humbly. In other words, supplication is not uh, the cute rehearsed prayer we learned uh, when we were kids uh, growing up in Sunday school. Supplication is a heat-seeking missile toward the heart of God. It is where I, I lay aside all pretense, all form, all all formality, and I say, Lord, it's just me, and I need you. Supplication is saying, Lord, I'm not too proud to beg. I'm begging you. I need you. It is it is like when uh, 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 Hannah went into the the into the temple, and she was praying her soul with so much supplication that that the high priest Eli thought she was drunk in the church because she was supplicating before God. She was begging. She needed something from God so bad that she had to ask him and beg for it. But Paul tells us that our prayer should not only be supplication, but supplication with thanksgiving. That that means at the same moment that I'm asking God for what I need from him, at that very same moment, I'm thanking him for him answering my prayer. That supplication with thanksgiving, it is the boldest act of faith that says that I believe that God is able to do what he promised he would do. And if I'm asking him for it and I know he's able to do it before I even receive it, I'm thanking him in advance for what he's about to do in my life. Supplication with thanksgiving. So to combat anxiety, first of all, we need to initiate the priority of praise. Secondly, the preeminence of prayer. And thirdly, the protection of peace. All right, let's see where we are. Let the church say the protection. Oh, y'all getting good on me. I like it. I like it. We're going to be right there, at part number four. All right. The protection of peace. Here it is. In verse number seven, he says, and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Sisters and brothers, when we add thanksgiving to our requests, God responds. And his primary response is to release his peace. Peace is a sign that God has heard our prayers. Peace is heaven's down payment on our prayers. God releases peace sometimes even before he answers our requests. Uh, Sometimes, have you ever prayed for something that you really needed and you haven't gotten it yet, but the moment you prayed, you just felt a little better? That's God's peace being released in your life. Peace is a down payment on our prayers. Peace is also a byproduct of being in obedience to God's will. If I'm being honest, sometimes the anxiety that I have faced in my life has not just been because of uncertainty, but because of my own disobedience. Sometimes we face anxiety not just because of what we don't know, but because of what we're doing that we know better. Sometimes we're dealing with anxiety because we're outside of God's will. And so in order to get that peace is to get back in, will, in, in His will through repentance and changing our actions and our activity, by exchanging our will for His will. And when we exchange our will for God's will, we experience God's peace. But lest we be mistaken, peace is not just a feeling. Peace is protection. Peace is the guardian that stands at the doors of our hearts and minds to protect us from the ongoing attacks of anxiety. The Greek word for guard in this text, it literally means to to protect by military guard to prevent hostile invasion. When we pray, God dispatches his peace which surpasses our understanding to stand guard at the doors of our hearts and our minds. I've heard people talk a lot about guardian angels. We haven't heard much discussion about guardian peace. But if Paul is to be believed in this passage that peace is the guard that stands at the doors of our hearts and minds, peace is like the guard dog that protects our property, that protects us from anxiety coming in and stealing our joy and stealing our trust and stealing our reliance on God. On another trip home, so interesting, so many of my stories have to do with the Bahamas. I was, I was home and I was visiting one of my cousins uh, a few months back. And, and she was in the process of building a brand new home. And, and, uh, <clears throat> Uh, and I went by her house, and the house wasn't quite finished yet, and there was still all kind of building materials in the yard, and then she had a big fence up, and I went to go in, and as soon as I went to open the fence, these two huge dogs came running out. And uh, I stepped back, and I wasn't about to go in there, and finally she came, and she got the dogs and tied them up, and I was able to go in and walk through her new home as it was being built. And as we were leaving, I started to wonder, I said, well, She's not living in this house. Why are these dogs here? And so I asked her, I said, I said cause why, why do you have these dogs in a home that's unoccupied? And she said, well, as I was building, when we started building, uh, people would come in at night and steal the materials, the building materials for the house. And so my builder uh, said, uh, they would let me have these two guard dogs to protect the property while the house was being built. And guess what? Since we've had the dogs, nobody's been stealing our stuff. And it made me think that that that's what peace is. Peace is the guard dog to our hearts and our minds. That when anxiety and the enemy tries to creep in at night and steal our joy and steal our hope, that peace says And anxiety has to back up off of us. Peace is our protection. But not only do we combat anxiety through the priority of praise, the preeminence of prayer, the protection of peace. But finally, the fourth and final thing is found in verse number 19 of the text. And it is the promise of provision. Let me hear you say. Oh, y'all writing Pentecostal this morning. I love it. Here's what he says in verse 19. He says, and my God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. My brothers and sisters, as we prepare to go into a brand new year, we don't have to worry, we don't have to fret, we don't have to hold anxiety in our hearts because not only do we have the priority of praise and the preeminence of prayer and the protection of peace, but God has given us a promise of provision. That he has promised to meet every single one of our needs. I don't have to live in uncertainty because I am certain of this that whatever I need, God will supply. And his supply is unlimited. The Bible tells us that he owns a cattle on a thousand hills and everything that we need he has already provided. Great is his faithfulness. River Oaks family and those who are watching online, you can stand firm in the fact that your God will supply every single one of your needs. He has given us a promise of provision and we can stand on the promises of God. For the promises of God are yes and they are amen. He is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Whatever God speaks, he will perform, and we can stand on his promise. I'm getting excited this morning, thinking about all of the promises that God has made over our lives. Let me see if I'm talking to the right church. Has God promised you anything, and you're still waiting on the manifestation of his promise? Yeah, the two of y'all that God promised something to. Uh, but for, or for, for the three of us that God has made some promises, promises to we can stand on those promises is there anybody excited about the promise of God because we know that what God said he will bring to pass that's all right to clap your hands that's all right to give God glory somebody thank him because his promises will come to pass and can i tell you that God's promises are not only limited to our money that God supplies all of our needs. That everything we need, He will supply. I told you earlier that Dr. Maslow said we have at least five basic need areas. And guess what? For every need, there's a promise. For our physiological needs. God tells us in Matthew 6 and 31 and 32, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? Your heavenly father knows that you need them all for our safety needs. He tells us in Psalm 91 and 7 that a thousand may fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it will not come near you. For our love and belonging needs, Psalm 27 and 10 says, For when my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me in. For our esteemed needs, he tells us in Psalm 139 and 14, that I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And even for our self-actualization needs, Psalm 1 and 3 says, that he or she is like a tree that's been planted by the streams of water, that yields its fruit in its season, in all that he or she does, he or she will prosper. God has a promise for every need. And even that sixth need, that, that need to know, he tells us in Matthew 10 and 26 that there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nothing hidden that will not be known. God will supply all of our needs. As we move forward into this next year, know that God has promised to meet all of our needs. He has given us the antidote for our anxiety, the priority of praise, the preeminence of prayer, the protection of peace, and finally, the promise of provision. Let us hold those together as we go to the Lord in prayer on this morning. Bow your heads with me as we pray. Father, we thank you today for your word and for the promises contained therein. We thank you, Lord, that even in the midst of our hurry and our worry, you give us a word to meet us at the point of our need. We thank you, Lord, that we can rejoice always And we can praise you in spite of what's going on around us or inside of us. We thank you that we can pray using supplication and thanksgiving, allowing our requests to be made known to you. We thank you that we can hold on to the protection of your peace, which is a guard dog that guards our hearts and our minds through Christ Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for the promise of your provision, knowing Father, that you will supply all of our needs according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. So we stand on those promises and we put our trust in you, O Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.